0: Okay, so this morning I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And there are 16 verses there, and I'm going to read them. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. This is the Holy Spirit. We must always remember, this is the Holy Spirit speaking through the vessel Paul. Now, the last... Thing that I put up on the post. I put in there that we are to follow Paul, the teaching of Paul, as he follows Jesus. And what I was saying is we follow Jesus just like Paul. The reason that I put that there is because certain people that will read that need to have it made very clear to them that is that they are not the Pauline epistles, okay? They are the epistles of Christ. That Paul was to follow, as, and he gave it to us. But there's a whole group, a whole group of people that believe that we don't even follow Jesus anymore now, but we follow Paul. That's why that was put there like that. And maybe sometimes people couldn't quite understand well, what did he mean by that? Well, that's exactly what I mean. We follow Jesus just like Paul said in 1st. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1. But I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 1 through 16, and it says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the witness, the testimony that is of God, his own testimony about himself. That's something only God can declare. Christ is the manifestation and revelation of that. And for us to even understand that, we need God the Holy Spirit. We need that make that clear. That's brought out very, very clearly and precisely in John the 16th chapter and in verses 14 and 15. It's brought out very, very clearly there in every single sense of the word. Some don't even, some that have this, this, This extreme dispensationalism, and others call it hyperdispensationalism. And I am mentioning these by name because that's the name whereby multitudes are affected. Multitudes. And so I need to study it and understand it. And others, that might not be your call. That might not be. And there's no fault or accusation, but that is my call. And there's hyperdispensationalism. And there is even more. But to understand these things, the only way that we can understand these is to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, those that he's chosen. They're not perfect in themselves. They're not. But as long as they function in the submission of their gift to Christ the head, then Christ will flow through them, even in in them as a weak and frail vessel. So when it says that, he didn't come with any excellency of speech. Really, what we shared yesterday, and I love this because Tyndale, man of God way back in the, in the early centuries, way back, the mid, mid-centuries, I should say, centuries, in his study to translate the Bible, and he did that and got burnt at a stake because of it. Huh. So much the enemy hated it. You know, the enemy, you know... His, he has subtlety, and we, we see that in Genesis 3, verse 1, and we also that back then, in the beginning of humanity and its failure, and then all the way up with us, in who we are in Christ, in 2 Corinthians eleven three. 3, there's subtlety again there mentioned, to be removed, here it is, from the simplicity of the gospel. And only God can make it simple, but the only ones that He can make it simple to is what Tyndale said. Even then, he said this. He said, Every plowboy should be able to understand the sacred scriptures. Even a plowboy. What does that mean? Well, back then they didn't have grocery stores and food banks. If you wanted to eat, you want you needed to have crops. And if you even were, if you were even feeding on if you were even feeding on animals, they needed them to eat, so that you could feed on them. So you had you had better learn how to plow. And every little boy back then, they had to learn how to do that. They had to be taught. They were simple. They weren't they weren't people in in the city in the streets in terms of the word. They weren't that. They had to learn in simplicity. They had to learn that way. They had to come and Not thinking they know a single thing because they're not considering themselves. Even in what is being taught, whether they understand it or not, they're just receiving it. They're not running home, checking it out. <laughs> they're just receiving it. That's a point that needs to be made. Well, the little plow boys, because he said... What's the sense if not every person in Christ can understand the Bible, the sacred scriptures, then just keep it in the original languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek? No. And this is why in Ephesians 4, 8 to 11, this is why it makes it crystal clear there that God never gave a man a gift, no matter what it is, to exalt him in the flesh but to humble him in his presence. we are. Paul was nothing, and Paul was Saul, he was big. He was in the city, he was known, he had a reputation. He didn't have the character of Christ yet till he met him on the road to Damascus in Acts the ninth chapter. He didn't know it till then. He didn't know it till then. But then he received his proper character which is the equal of his image and how God would view him through the eyes and through the sight that Christ is before the Father. And that would be by the power of the Holy Spirit in terms of understanding. And in terms of love, even flowing in wisdom. And wisdom is even knowing when, where, and how to appropriate the word in every circumstance and situation of our thought life. And nothing replaces him. Every plow that's who we are, that's who Paul became. He was Saul, big, that's what his name means in the Hebrew. He became Paul, little. Little plowboy plowboy has to have has to be that way that's what this is bringing out in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 when he says in verse 1 i brethren and what is he saying i am one of you i am one of you oh i was so deceived in what i thought god was in my pride and how i thought that god couldn't do it without me Don't ever think that God can't do something in the local assembly that he's called you to do. Because it says, again, in the promotion of God's mind in Psalm 75, 26, and 27, and and, and so forth, in Psalm 75, 6, and 7, excuse me, I was quoting Psalm 73, 25, and 26, but Psalm 75 is 6 and 7. It's there, and that's okay if that's in there still. And, And sometimes that needs to be. Because we're all weak and frail, so leave that one in. That's be beautiful. Promotion doesn't come from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one and sets up another. He will raise it up if one goes down. If you don't believe that, read Acts, the first chapter. Judas was out; he was replaced. You'll see that in Psalm 69, verse 28, with Psalm 109 and verse 8. He refused to function in the place that that Christ gave him, obviously he refused, Christ was never born again. And some in in hyper-dispensationalism don't even believe you're born again. Do you think people need to be taught that? Phew, they're not born again. They do, they do. They do, absolutely, like all of us do. We're all, we said yesterday, we're all little plow boys and all little plow girls. Now, in the humility of study in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15 and 2 Timothy 2 and verse 24, apt to teach highly skillful is God will give us the skill to one who's completely humble, doesn't think too highly of himself or lowly of himself. That's humility. He doesn't think of himself at all. By the way, that's not something we just got in the 19th century. Okay, I read it was from someone in 1840. And in the word, it goes way back before that, by the way. Just want to make that crystal clear. And so when he said, I, brethren, he said, I'm just like you. When I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you what I believe to be the witness of God, testimony. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness. Yes, little plowboy. I'm with you in weakness and in reverence and in much trembling. This is Paul and he's got Isaiah 66, 1 and 2 in his mind. The Holy Spirit in this beautiful correlation here. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing or persuadable words of man's wisdom. Because we know where man's wisdom comes from. We'll see it in this chapter. But in demonstration, manifestation, and revelation of the Spirit and of power. See, we're going to be kept by the power of God through Christ in 1 Peter 1, 1.5, but it's still, even that, we have him, but to be kept in him, we need the power of the Holy Spirit, who's the teacher, who's the unction, 1 John 2.20, and in 1 John two twenty seven. My speech and my preaching was not within persuadable words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power that your faith, listen, your dependence, God separates people because he wants them depending on him. Period. Period. Because he loves the individual. And then when that happens, now you have fellowship. That your dependence should not be stand there is be in the wisdom of men, but separated from that, in the power of God. How be it we speak? We those that are in Christ submitted to Him. And Paul again, he's bringing out the reality of this in Ephesians four and verse eight. It says, Jesus there fulfilling. Fulfilling Psalm 68 and verse 18 has, has spoken Ephesians 4 and verse 8. The only thing he left out in Ephesians 4 and verse 8 was, for he did all that for those that are no longer he considers to be rebellious. It says it there in 68, 18, because that was he was referring to Israel. But to us in Christ, it says, He gave gifts unto men. The men themselves are the gift. And the gift flows in Ephesians 4.11. When that guy is a little plowboy, he didn't think he doesn't know a thing. No wonder it says in Acts 6.4, we'll give ourselves to prayer because prayer is always teaching dependence. <laughs> and then we have the ministry of the word to ourselves first. And that's why it says in 1 Timothy 2.8, I will that men everywhere, men, masculine, men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands, proper experience. Christ ruling and reigning in the experience without wrath and doubting. And doubting. Well, here it is. But we, he said, we, those (laughs) that are attached to Christ, So that love flows out in all kinds of wisdom. You know, James 1.5, if you lack wisdom, don't doubt, don't worry, let him ask of God. If he has you waiting, he's increasing. He wants to increase you, but you must decrease in John 3.30. And we are so ignorant of it, all of us, in certain ways. There's areas where we're not a little plowboy. We're just not. That's who we are. We preach what? How be it? Because of that, we speak wisdom because we're attached to our head, Christ, and now the mind of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 2.16, we'll see it as it flows here. And then who's sufficient for those things? In 2 Corinthians sixteen, our sufficiency is Christ, period. Not Paul. Listen to me. Not Paul, but Christ. Through Paul as a messenger for the church? Yes. That's what was posted. Just want to make that crystal clear in okay, so case some people might have had a little trouble uh, with that. And we can all have that in, in our growth and understanding too. But among them, we preach, we preach that. What do we do? We preach, we speak wisdom, and wisdom is Christ. Read Proverbs the 8th chapter, start in the 20s, and go to the end of the, the last verse in 36 of Proverbs 8. Christ himself is that wisdom, that came out of the love of god and the love of god is his active energy the very active energy of his nature the purity of that nature is light and that's christ that came out and that's why his human body was impeccable it was a hu- he had humanity but not a sin nature the scriptures are clear and we've by the grace of almighty god we've all all of us together have been taught the reality of that but we preach the wisdom among them that are complete. That means complete in Christ. That's our capacity. But to have it drawn out, he must increase in John 3.30, but I must decrease. And when I do, that the decrease is humility there so that God can exalt us to how he sees us in the son of his love. 1 Peter 5.6 with Colossians 1 and verse 13. Right? yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes, those that are, have, think they have these places, apart from Christ, to reveal the word, but are just nothing other than the mouthpiece of Satan, and we see it in Second Corinthians 11, verses 14 and 15. The princes of this world that are going to come to what? Not to nothing, because without love, in 1 Corinthians 13, to what are we? We're nothing. And is there any profit outside of experience in his love? And in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 3, and there's not. But that takes intense humility. Now, the plowmen, we're all little plowboys, all of us. But in whatever our capacity is, we need to get up and plow in the Word. It's going to take labor. You'll see that in 1 Timothy 5 and verse 17. You'll see it in 1 Thessalonians 5, 12, and 13. You're going to see that. You'll see it how it should be brought out in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 9 and, and, and Paul bringing out Deuteronomy 25 and verse 4, but you look at it. You look at those verses and what it says with Galatians 6, 6 through 10. You'll see how that works, you see. The laborer, he takes part of the first fruit, he does. Okay. But we, separated from that in verse 7, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Who's it a mystery to? The proud. Those that don't think they're a plowboy anymore, they think there's something. And, you know, they think there's something. They think their gift is to stand in front of people and to show what they know. Oh, Lord, not at all. We're just little plowboys. That's all we are. My God, we couldn't even get up if it wasn't for God. I said it yesterday and I mean it with all my heart. When God brought that out to me yesterday, my own counsel, my own private counsel up in my study, he said, that's who you are at a plowboy," And it was his love that caused me to realize this. I said, you know what, God? I don't even know. I couldn't even be, I don't even know if I could be a plowboy." I don't even know if I knew how to harness that thing to the animal that would pull it. And then without you, would I even pull it in a straight line? And even that goes into Psalm 16, verse 6. The lines have fallen unto me in pleasant places. And we're going to bring it out during the week. Those lines are lines of light, guidance. Proverbs 4 and verse 18, to show us the way. To walk in 1 Peter 2.21, his steps that are ordained of the Lord in Psalm 37 and verse 23, to walk in them. Because outside those lines is only darkness. That's what happens when we function in the flesh, and dependence upon the flesh. Don't sit down and make a plan. Don't make it. Scrap it. Pray and make sure you have the mind of Christ. Make sure you have the mind of Christ. But you best and I best give myself to prayer. Then he can minister the word to me when I give my will over. Then you make a plan. But we all need to be led by God, specifically. Well, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. You know, I think it's in Isaiah 45, verse 15. He hides himself from the pride of men. He hides himself from the pride of men. Even the hidden, the hidden, and who is wisdom? You'll see that. Our life, how do I interpret 1, 1 Corinthians 2, 7, with, it's with Colossians 3 and verse 3. You're, you died in the death of Christ in Romans 6, 1 through 6. You receive that. You don't die anymore And 6, 9 of Romans. You don't. But, but, you're, but you died. That's what it says. Now the translation says you are you, you 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 are dead. No, it says you died in the original. That's a translation. It says you died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Hidden wisdom. That's what it's talking about. To who? Who does he give it to? God resists the proud, but he gives more grace to those that he's humbled. To those that he's humbled. Now, but we speak. The wisdom of God and the mystery, even the hidden wisdom, or just hidden, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Again, this is him picturing the church before anything. This is the height of the glory of his precious son. (laughs) It's the height. Now, his son accomplished things, yes, through God giving his son and the son giving himself to the Father and the Holy Spirit proceeding from both to deal with prophecy. And prophecy is not a gospel. As much as some want to make it, in hyper-dispensationalism, they say that there's two gospels in Galatians two seven. Peter was preaching one to the circumcision. It was a gospel of prophecy. Well, gospel, we said yesterday, in the very meaning of the word, means good news. Is there good news in prophecy if it's dealing with judgment on the earth? They make it two messages. And two, two different gospels. Well, you know, before you got you, you hyper, and I and I love them, and I'm a plow boy, and I would be just as deceived if it wasn't the grace and truth of Christ Himself. But before you proceeded to to Galatians two one through seven, why didn't you why didn't you read Galatians one six to nine? There is no other gospel. There is no other gospel than the gospel. The. And it's the Greek article. See, it's this one, no other kind. And if any man preach any other kind, let him be a curse. So you mean to tell me that Peter wasn't born again and that Paul, through his gospel, was cursing Peter and telling him that? Does it make any sense? Listen, folks, I'm going to tell you. I'm bringing it out because you know what it's called, hyper-dispensationalism. Then there's ultra-dispensationalism. And it's really mixing up the Scriptures brutally and we need to know it and that's why we have these times by the way this is precisely why we have these times and it's precisely why my God I, why more men I don't know why we don't have more men well it's a choice anyway I'll leave it at that I thought about a man uh, uh, and I've been thinking about a particular man in a, in a particular state that we all know and he's been on my heart been deeply on my heart about a a visit here. And uh, so I've been keeping that in prayer about this individual. You know, there's times when he needs to separate us to do most in us. This is the truth of the matter. There's the truth of the matter because God is jealous over us with a godly jealousy in Exodus 20 and verse 5, Exodus 34 and verse 14, in Deuteronomy 4 and verse 24, and in Hebrews 12 verse 29. He's a consuming fire. (laughs) He's going to consume in us whatever's not of him. He wants us to himself. And I think it would, I really think it would really be a help to this particular individual who God has just really put heavily on my heart. It says in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 7, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, hidden from the proud, the hidden, which is Christ Himself, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Who glorified the Father? Wasn't it Jesus Christ? In John thirteen, thirty-one and thirty-two, and John seventeen, verses four and five, without any question about it. He did that. Which none of the princes that operate with Satan through them, of this particular world system, of whom Satan is the prince of this world, in John twelve, thirty-one and John fourteen, thirty. He's the religious God of this world. We'll tell you there's two Gospels. It's only one good news, and that's Jesus himself. And to those that are in them, there is no judgment. And prophecy is God judging the earth and getting it ready for the millennial reign, and then as we enter after that into the eternity of the eternities. But here we are, here, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, as it is written, and this is in Isaiah 64 and verse 4 and 65 and verse 17 of Isaiah in those scriptures. As it is written, natural eye has not seen. This book you don't read like any other book. It's supernatural. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard. It's Neither is entered into the very mind, not heart, mind of man. And heart there, really, that means where we treasure up with our mind what we think is most, what means most to us. And that's bringing out Matthew 6, uh, 21. Well, starting really in 1819 and going from 21 to 24 in Matthew, the 6th chapter, it brings it out crystal clear. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. But we have that treasure, and that's Christ in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, where all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Colossians 2 and verse 3. That's our true treasure. That's where our mind needs to be, not on things of the earth. Okay, Set your mind on things above. Not on things of the earth. You make a plan. Is it the mind or natural? What you can do and what you can't do? Whew. Boy, the last time I checked, and Haggai 2, ate all the gold and silver is his. And all the cattle on a thousand hills, in Psalm 50, verse 10, are his. They may be in someone's yard. The cattle are on their range. And the gold and silver may be in someone's pocket. But guess what? That's not true riches. That's why Peter, born again, preaching the same gospel. And the gospel is this. This is the gospel both in Peter and in Paul. The one gospel. One was sent to talk to the Jews because, of course, they would have refused who they thought was their leader in some sense and have a problem with it, Paul or Saul. And then Saul was to go to the to the, all the other nations, the Gentiles or the Greeks, is it, it said. But it's the one gospel. And what is the one gospel? Listen, this is the gospel. And this is why Peter, at times, in 2 Peter 3, 16 and 17, he had a hard time learning and growing with what was given as a part of the gospel and learning, much more to learn other than the gospel. But the gospel, the one gospel... One gospel is Christ was crucified, buried, and risen. Both teach that. Acts, the third chapter, Paul, 1 Corinthians 15, and all through the epistles that are Christ given to Paul to give to us. Simple as that. None of the princes of this world knew this. They never would have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I is has not seen, neither ear heard, neither was into the very mind of man, what he treasures most. That's what keeps Christ out, by the way. Sometimes we want things, we think we need them when we want them. But God keeps them from us because he knows those would be the things that would keep us again from him. And he's very jealous over us. We mentioned the scriptures. And I say we because we were all receiving them supernaturally none of that is entered into the heart of man the things which God has past tense prepared for them that love him we know that based upon read uh, 1st John 4 and read those uh, 18 verses well you can read it right to the 20th too (laughs) read it to the end of the chapter but god but god who is god look at the verse ahead it's love god is love love is not god god is love anything outside of love is lust why do i think i need certain things when i think i need them because i'm ignorant and there's a lust pattern in me that needs to be dealt with needs, it's a stronghold and it needs to come out in second corinthians ten four. so I can stop casting down imaginations, my own plans, what I think I need to do. And every high thing, because that's where the imaginations come from, the God of this world, in the natural interpreting scriptures, in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Can we get hid in being lost? Yeah, in the flesh, no dependence in whom the God of this world has blinded. The word blinded means hardened. I get hard without dependence. And love can't flow experientially, which is mine and my position. But God has revealed them unto us, those that are in Christ, obviously, by his Spirit, for the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, searches what? All things that are ours in Christ. Yea, what? The deep things. Of God. And the deep things of God, we know this. We need to have the foundation. The foundation is is again what what the Holy Spirit was teaching Paul, chained to a Roman guard in Philippians three, uh, in verse nine, so that he wouldn't be found unto his own on on his own righteousness, his own righteousness. What, he, what is being taught there is his. Fleshly temptation was to be found in his own righteousness because he was the Pharisee of Pharisees. Read uh, Philippians 3, 1 through 8. That was a constant temptation to place himself above God and when he did, he would place himself above others. That's what we do in the flesh. The fact of the matter is, he, he wouldn't be found in his righteousness. God had to get him alone and chain him to a Roman guard. So that he would what? I want to know him. See the separation? I want to know him. You want to know him? Good. You're not going to know him by depending on each other. i want to make that crystal clear because that's only natural. The only way you can depend upon another, and, and, and it's not Christ, is it's the natural. And that is brought out, and, and we did yesterday in, in James 3 and verse 15, it, where it says, earthy and where it says central, the word central is natural. It's not just sexual sins and all this. It's natural, thinking naturally. And we'll see it here in this chapter. We're going to see it. So God has a separating, specific place for people whereby he, they can meet him. They can know him in the power of his resurrection. And now you're going to go into the deep things. And this is where Paul, Peter had trouble and had to learn it. And what? And the sufferings of what? What does it say? Of what? His fellowship. There's a depth of fellowship that God is bringing us to, but there has to be a separation. You can know that's what happened. I can know it. I know it, and I'm still going to know it. The deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man? The natural man, except the spirit of man, which is in him but the soul takes precedence over the Spirit. Because the Spirit is where we would worship when the will is submitted and given over to the Holy Spirit. And then Christ leads us in that worship through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's brought out in Psalm 22 and verse 22 in Hebrews 2 and verse 12. Very clearly in the scriptures. Boy, we need men. Boy, we need men to hear these things. Like never before, the time is so extremely very short. It's just, the time to compare has to, has to be ended. We're all plowboys. That's what we are. Every single one of us. Every single one of us. And we don't operate that plow unless that little plow boy in us is submitted to Jesus Christ because all our sufficiency is in him. Who's sufficient for those things in 2 Corinthians 2.16? It's Christ. He's our sufficiency. To think I can know a thing without Him. Think I can do a thing. To think think that I can sit down and make a plan without intense prayer and learn it. Forget it. Don't bother. Don't bother. Do it in Christ, yes. But you'll do that resting in love through dependence. And there'll be no wrath, no doubting, no fear, no irritation, and no suspicion either, by the way. Now we have received us in Christ, not the spirit of the world. What is the spirit of the world? What keeps them making riches to be everything to themselves? I'm going to tell you straight out. I'm going to tell you, God has not given us the spirit of fear. Second Timothy one seven. I want to say it again. He's working that out of you. Guarantee, guarantee, because that's relying on self. And when you can't, now you fear. Wow. 2 Timothy 1:7, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. That's 1 Peter 1:5, 1, that's Christ. And 1 Corinthians 1:24, 1 Christ, the power of God, and when He is your power source, you go, you'll get wisdom. But until then, don't bother making your plans because they're natural. And then it says the rest, they're earthy, not, not central, but natural and demonic we can get affected by that the enemy you know in 1 John 5.18 the beast says the wicked one touches us not but it says in 5.19 the whole world is in his lap literally you know what the Greeks it's like a plaything. he's playing with it you know what the enemy wants to do yeah, he can't listen he wants to slaughter the unsaved they're like a plaything. you know what a lion does you ever see a cat we mentioned this before a cat when it has its prey, it plays with it, it bats it around, then it swallows it whole. That's, listen, that's why we need humility. We're plowboys. 1 Peter 5.6. Cast all your anxiety on him. 5 7. Why? Because the enemy is as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may rip to shreds, playing with it, and then swallow you down whole with the details of life. The details of life. Stop putting God first. In every detail, you watch what happens. The promotions come. But you've got to have a right mind to understand God's timing and provision because he won't give it. If the capacity is not the equal of the gift that he wants to give, if he gave the gift, it would be a curse to the flesh. We would use it to the flesh and not to honor him, him to be glorified, Christ, and us to be blessed and others through me. You see, my life is way more than just me. Way more. Anyway, let's, oh, I still have time. That's precious. (laughs) For me to receive, and that's all I mean, by the way. I'm not saying I have more time so that I can declare what I know. No, I'm saying I have more time for him to teach me and give me what I so desperately need, which I don't have in myself, in my own understanding. We'll see that here. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. God has not given us the spirit of fear. There's no fear in love in 1 John 4 18 because we're positioned in Christ in 1 John 4 and verse 17. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but separated from that, power, love, and a well disciplined mind knowing how to think precisely, experientially, like a little plowboy. Now I can get up. Come on. As plowboys of what we are, do we even want to get up if he's not our first thought? No, because we're trusting in what we feel and what we think. You don't even want to get up. I'll do it anyway. Plowboy gets up. Then he instructs how to harness and put the plow on the mule. And then he, when your eye is on him, your path will be straight. In Proverbs 4 and verse 18, it will be lit up with the glory of God through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, and you will be blessed as he leads you. Yea, though I walk through the valley in Psalm 23 and verse 4, of the shadow of death I will fear no evil. What's the basis of fear? Listen to me. What is it? Something evil is going to happen. That's who we are in Christ? God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a well-disciplined mind. Now, we have not received the spirit of the world, in 1 Corinthians 2.12, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Read Romans 8.31. God for us, who can be against us? Well, just in case he might be, I got to make a plan having already given us his Son, the very best that he could do, will he not with him freely give us all, what does it say? Things, the things that are in Christ, an antithesis, and opposed to, in 1 John 2.15, the things of the world we get so occupied with that causes trouble and causes us to make plans that aren't his because his plan was developed long before you and I ever existed. In the eternal mind of God, That's brought out in Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. And yes, I can glean from that, being part of the church, because in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, Paul didn't say it. The Holy Spirit said it through Paul. All Scripture is inspired, God be the God, and is profitable. For doctrine, for reproof, for exhortation, edification in Christ, that you and I may be thoroughly fitted out with all that's ours in Christ. That'll do away with hyper dispensationalism and ultra dispensationalism in a single heartbeat. But we have to come, all of us, to be able to receive freely given to us of God. Romans 8.32, 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 12. Can all those things be against us? Nakedness, peril, famine, don't it? No. No. Which things also we speak? What things are you speaking in? What is, the, what is the source of our prayer life with God? Is it the things of the earth that we mentioned first? Or is it the things of Christ? Has something taken precedence? The things of the world? The things that the world, unsaved, worry about? F- through fear and disturbance? We're in a learning stage. Young people, you're in a learning stage. Old people, too. But a little further down the road, that's called grace. No merit, grace. Plowboy, still. But some Paul boys are f- spiritual fathers. Some are young men, and some are babes. In First John 2 12 to 14. Which things we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teaches his thought life in Second Corinthians ten four and five that needs to be cast down and to be obedient to the mind of Christ you'll see that in Second Corinthians chapter ten verses four to six and read the seventh one too that's a good one but which the Holy Spirit teaches bringing out First John two twenty you hyper dispensationalists First John two twenty First John two twenty seven Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man ah, receives not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual discerns all things, yet he himself is discerned. No man. Outside of Christ. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Well, but we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. For instance, this teaching, and I want to bring this out so that we understand this. I'm just going to bring out one point here, and then we'll get into this further if God has it on Thursday, but again, I'm going to continue this. Do you remember when Jesus said to the Pharisees, and this is why I teach translations, I'm thankful for them. In the beginning stages of our growth, God can use them, but he can also use them to humble us. <laughs> and he will and he does, even in the original languages. He he humbles us in every step, because if not, in Deuteronomy 7 and verse 22, the beast of the field will devour us, and that's called pride. Every step has to be bathed in humility or pride takes over, meaning the enemy takes over in the interpretation of the word through the flesh that's in the believer that they're not of in Romans 8 and verse 9. So when Jesus said that, in my King James Bible and certain other ones, it says in John 8, 21 and 24, when Jesus was referring to the Pharisees, he said, in, in the King James, it says, you will die in your sins. It doesn't say that in the original. We need to study that. It doesn't say, you, Jesus isn't saying to them, you're going to die in your sins. He said, you're going to die in what your nature is, sin. The word is sin there. Here it is. Sin here is Hama. Ti. That's what it is. And it's singular. It's sin nature. You will die in your sin nature with all your sins still on you and that's why you'll be judged because you're still alive even though you're dead, separated from him with all your sins and that's what's going to be judged at the great white throne judgment in in Revelations 20, 11 to 15. Simple as that. So sin is singular. Sins is... It is TiS and it's plural. Sin is the very essence. We're not of the essence anymore, of the old. That's been crucified. Romans 6, 1 through 6, that's what's being taught. Sin nature's been crucified, thus having the sins dealt with. That's propitiation. He's teaching it again. Propitiation. You're refusing propitiation. Some teach it. Yeah, Jesus paid for the sins of the whole world. Clearly, he did not do that. Now, again, some would say, well, if you don't believe that, then you teach what Calvin taught. No, I, no it's not what Calvin taught. Calvin taught that God in his own mind, in the evil that was part of his mind, <laughs> read James 1.13, God tempts no man with evil, neither can he be tempted all you that love God, hate evil, Psalm 97 and verse 10, they'll teach that God willed certain others, apart from their own will, to be in Christ and go to heaven, the rest can go to hell. Literally, that's not what's being taught here. The Lamb of God propitiated and made it available for whosoever would, because God had to be propitiated. Justice had to be met so love could flow justly, Purely, purely. It's not what it's teaching, Calvinism. Evil, that's evil teaching to the core, evil. But whosoever will can receive him. And you must be born again. Hyperdispensationalists, dispensationalists you must be born again, John 3, 3-5. Very simple, very simply put, you must be. You must be born a second time. That's brought out clearly in the Scriptures. So the difference here is there's sin in its essence, nature, and sin in its acts, sins. Sins. Thank God. we are not. It's sin. We, is it sin? So when we commit these, function in them, in our experience, in Romans 7, 17 and 20, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. And when I go back to the old, what am I going to function in? The only thing that I can. The essence of one who has a sin nature are sins. Period. That's explaining propitiation, substitution, and reconciliation. Based upon Leviticus. Read, read, the 23, read the first 23 chapters of Leviticus. That will explain... That first chapter of 1 John, the first 10 verses, and go right into the second. Jesus, he is our advocate. My little children, in 1 John 2, 1. My little children, see that you sin not. But if any man sin, that any man in Christ, by the way, we have an advocate with God. Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins, sins dealt with because God was propitiated through Christ's substitute, first in propitiation, then as a substitute, paying for our sins and reconciling us to God. God's eyes are so pure in Habakkuk one thirteen, he can't even look upon iniquity or sin. But he only sees us now in Christ. That's God's view in, in Job six seven. So as we close this morning, it doesn't say, and also... For the sins of the world. That's italicized. That was put there because they didn't know what to put there. Or they thought what should be put there was this. And it's not in the original in any Greek manuscript. And yet I hear a precious man in a precious city in a particular state that many of us are well aware of teaching that very thing that Jesus died for the sins of the world. And if he didn't, then then it's Calvinism. No, it's not. And I, I only say this as a plowboy. Please. I taught it that way. I was a plowboy, but I wasn't plowing straight. I wasn't. I wasn't. We know nothing as we ought to know in 1 Corinthians 8, 2 and 3. But if God loves me in that particular area, He's going to guide me into truth in John 16, 13, 14, and 15. We'll get into it later. But outside of submitting, outside of submitting, it's 830, outside of submitting to Christ, we only function in a foolish nature that we're no longer, we are no longer that. But fools, fools, and we'll get into this on Thursday if God has it. Fools make a mock at sin. You know, the flesh mocks the truth of God in us. Did you know that? It mocks it. You can't trust that. You can't believe that. It's mocking God. Fools make a mock at sin. You know when it says that in Proverbs 14 and verse 9 and scores of other things that the Holy Spirit will bring out to all of us again in a very fresh way? Fools make a mock at guilt. They don't know what to do with it, so they mock it. Because sin is guilt, and guilt is being condemned. They don't know what to do with it. They can't, so they get frivolous and weird about it, just like their father and their lust they will do in John 8, verse 44, to try and escape it. Thank God that he loves us and and we are in him so beautifully. And we're little plow boys in Jesus' name and plow girls, amen. <laughs> Quiet. How come it won't stop? Oh, I got to close that though.